Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. And it's good to um, have preaching and teaching. If you tuned in on uh, Tuesday, um, I was talking about abundance. Amen. Do you remember what we talked about on Tuesday night? If not, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But God is a God of abundance. And if God had uh, a business card and He was going to introduce Himself to you, He would give you His card and His card would say, I'm abundant. Amen. He would say, I am abundant. This is who I am. God always introduces Himself to man with abundance. Always. Now, who would want to serve a God that always represented Himself with lack? Hi, I'm the God that's not enough. Would you like to follow me? No, I don't think so. I don't think I want to follow a God that's not enough. I don't think I want to follow a God who's just enough. I want to follow a God who's more than enough. Amen? I want to follow a God that's been to hell and to heaven and is taking care of everything that's in between. Amen? I serve a God that's not surprised, but He's the author of surprises. Amen? When you're the one that's controlling the surprises, you're in charge. You dictate the surprises. I'm not surprised by what's going on in the world today. God's not surprised. God was not caught unaware about what was going on. God was smart enough in Leviticus to say, don't eat a bat. He knew 6,000 years ago that when man and animal try to cohabitate on a certain level, catastrophic things can happen. And the whole law, all of Israel, was to keep them alive. Because he knew if he ate these certain things, that his life would not be long in the earth, and these types of things would happen. Now, i got to be honest with you. I love bacon. You know, I just do. I like bacon. I like ham. And I know the pig is right there too, what we're not supposed to eat. But just pray over it really good before you eat it, okay? Sorry. Hallelujah. Well, God is a God of abundance. And when God introduces Himself, He does it with abundance. And what God does is He sets a boundary with His command, and then He fills that boundary or that command with all that He is. Amen. He created the earth. He made the heavens, the stars, the land, the earth. And when He made all those things, when He set the boundaries, then He started putting and planting and putting things in it. And He filled it all up with abundance. Amen. God is a God of abundance. And so today, I want to talk about prosperity. Amen. What's the first thing that comes to mind when I talk about prosperity? Money. Amen? How many of us would think the first thing whenever we talk about prosperity is money? Be honest. We all do because that's kind of the way that we frame it sometimes. Look, the church for years, for years and years and years, have been told that somehow poverty and sickness are related to holiness. That the poorer you are, the closer to God you are. 
that the sicker you are, that God is teaching you that you're closer to him, that when you're sick, then you can only be dependent upon him. And it's in those times of brokenness. And we come up with all those things because Satan knew that he could not stop the church of Jesus Christ. But what he's done is he's tried to strip away the benefits of being a believer and making them sound evil. What's good is bad and what's bad is good. Amen? So we, the Latter-day Church, and through the teaching and preaching of the Kenneth Copelands and Kenneth Hagans, we found out that it was okay to prosper. It's okay for us to have some money. Amen? But guess what? Prosperity is not money. That's not what it is. Amen? Let me ask you this. Let's, all right, how many of you were in the garden when God created it? All right, just a few. All right, here we go. Sorry, Dad. (laughs) Genesis chapter 4, Pastor Jack played golf. Okay, here we go. Hey, it was Ron Geyer's birthday too, so tell Ron happy birthday when you see him. Ron, if you're watching, happy birthday. Amen. So, God created the heavens and the earth and put everything in it. What was the most valuable thing in the garden that God created? What was the most valuable thing? Now there's gold, there's, there's, there's animals, there's really big fish, there's animals that are, exqu- I mean, that are, what was the most valuable thing in the garden? Who, what, what are we saying? Man. We're saying that man was the most valuable thing in the garden. Amen? Anybody else? Gloria, you got your hand up or you're just itching? Okay. All right. What else? Tree of life. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. What else? What was the most valuable? The snake? <laughs> Hannah, repeat 11th grade, honey. You're going back to... T- sorry. God was the most valuable thing in the garden. Good job, Veronica. You get a gold star by your name. See, and we don't look at it that way. We think man or things or a tree, but what we don't remember is that Adam and Eve were in the garden, but God was there too. God is the most valuable thing that we can ever have. He was the most valuable thing in the garden. True prosperity is not what you have. True prosperity, true riches is knowing Him. True prosperity is your relationship with God. Amen? It's not what you have. It's not what you do. It's not what you accomplish uh, in your life. It is if you want to be rich, if you want to be prosperous, if you want to live in a land of increase more and more and more, then go after your relationship with God. Seek Him first. Don't seek things. Don't seek jobs. Don't seek positions. Don't seek places. Don't seek... To, to, to move your way up the corporate ladder. Seek Him first. And every one of us has to find out what does that mean for me? How do I make God 
first place in my life. Amen? Let's look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 7. Sorry, this is hooking on something. Thank you, Lord. Proverbs. I love the book of Proverbs. I read it every day and have for almost 25 or 30 years. Proverbs will make you wise. It'll make you wealthy. It talks about relationships. talks about your job. talks about your wife. talks about your kids. It'll straighten you out. Proverbs 13.7 says, One man considers himself rich, yet has nothing to keep permanently. Another man considers himself poor, yet has great and indestructible riches. Amen? Let me read that again. One man considers himself rich, yet has nothing to keep permanently. Another man considers himself poor, yet has great and indestructible riches. Our lives do not consist of what we have. Our lives, we are not going to be judged when we get to heaven by how big our bank accounts are, by how much gold we saved up, by how many cars that I have, not by how big my house is. I'm not going to be judged by... The, 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 the clothes that I wear, the jewelry that I have. I'm not going to be judged by how much stock that I have or how many investments. I'm not going to be judged on how well I, I increased and moved my way up the corporate ladder. Although, if God's with you, you will move up the corporate ladder. I'm going to be judged on the eternal things of my life. There are things in our lives which tend towards eternity. There are things that we are going to take with us to heaven. And it's not money. So I'm just asking each and every one of us, what are we going after right now? What's the focus of your desire? What do you think is the most important thing for you to have right now? Because I guarantee you, if you think it's a better job or more money, you're wrong. If you're in this church and you are dealing with unforgiveness, depression, anxiety, those types of things, if you leave this church and go to another church, that depression and anxiety doesn't stay here. It goes with you. So if you're not happy here, you're not going to be happy there. Amen? If you're not happy here you're not going to be happy there. we got to be happy here. We need to be finding new ways to be pleasing to God. We need to be finding new ways of expanding our relationships with the Father. I need to make following Him the number one priority in my life and everything else needs to just go by the wayside. The Bible says in almost every gospel, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And here's the good part for us. And all these things shall be added unto you. It is okay for us to have things. Amen? 
It is okay for you to have your needs met. Philippians, my God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. But if I want God's abundance and God's blessing, I've got to get it through Him. I can't say that I follow God, but then try and make everything happen on my own. I'm not the captain of my own ship. When I got born again almost 28 years ago, I, I messed up my life pretty good. I figured out I could not drive this ship. I needed a, I needed a Savior. So Jesus took over. And let me get you, I'll be honest with you. We have prospered every year. Amen? Every year it is normal and healthy for a born-again, spirit-filled believer, tither, giver, sower, we should be increasing more and more and more. And I'm talking about it in our finances and in those types of things. Amen? But what I have to make sure of is if I'm not taking my eyes off of God and putting them on the things that I'm going after. Can I just be honest with you? I think the, the, the myth of the American dream has ruined a lot of lives. There's not an American dream. There's a blessing. There's a blessing on this nation because it was founded on godly principles. There's a blessing on this nation that when I act according to the biblical foundation that God has put in this country and put in me, I cannot help but prosper. But to tell people that you're a self-made person, that you can go out and do whatever you want, is not exactly true. See, you were created with a purpose. You were created very specifically. There's a thing that God created you to do. And when you find out what that thing is, no matter how big or how small, you're going to prosper in it. And let me just go ahead and tell you this. The closer you get to your purpose or what God created you for, the more you're going to begin to prosper. The higher you get into what God has called you to do, the more you are going to begin to increase. Conversely, the farther you get away, from what God has called you to do, the less. And you can be the richest man in the world and be the poorest man in the world at the same time. You can have all the money in the world. Why do millionaires and billionaires commit suicide? Because your money has to have a purpose. It has to have a purpose. Everything that we have and everything that we own needs to have a purpose. When we begin amassing things for no purpose, we begin to get weird. <laughs> have you ever noticed that when people start amassing large amounts of money, and I'm saying sometimes your younger people, people that never earned it or worked for it, they want to start taking their clothes off. It's like all of a sudden their minds start getting affected. They start getting weird because they have all this money and they don't know what to do with it. So their thinking becomes skewed. So their vision of themselves becomes skewed. And they come up with these weird thoughts and thinking because there's no boundaries for those blessings to fit in. Money, the, look, the lottery has ruined more lives than it ever blessed. Because we were not created to inherit large amounts of money without knowing what to do with it. Because it should have a purpose in our lives. Just to have money to have money is not biblical prosperity. Every dollar I have needs to have a purpose. 
Because that's when, that's when we're the happiest, is when we have purpose. Solomon had a massive purpose when he built the temple, an amazing purpose. But once he stopped with that purpose of building the temple, he began to drift. He started collecting wives, gold, and horses, and they had no purpose. And because they had no purpose, the things... Now, this is a man who had a face-to-face conversation with God. You would think, and how many of us would say... If God just came down and just had a face-to-face with me and talked, I would always believe I would never doubt. That would change me forever. Oh, how wrong we are. And I think that's why he doesn't do it. We get to do it by faith. Amen? But we think if God would come down and have a face-to-face with us, oh, I would never, I would always be in belief. My faith would be high. And to a level, maybe yes. Solomon had a face-to-face with God. God blessed him because of his heart and his attitude towards being the king. But yet at the end of his life, he'd gotten totally pulled away from his purpose and from his God because he had too many things to keep track of and forgot taking care of the one relationship that matters the most. There's only one relationship in your life that matters, and that's your relationship with God. So how goes your relationship with God? So goes how goes every other relationship in your life? Amen? What was the, the analogy? Mother, you're on an airplane. You have a small child with you. The attendant comes and tells you, hey, on this flight, if the air mask drops, put the mask on you first, then the child. If you don't care, take care of you first and get the oxygen first, you won't be able to take care of the child's oxygen. you got to take care of your oxygen first before you can take care of somebody else. Come on. we got to be able to take care of... we gotta be, we got to be right first before we can start being right for somebody else. I would much rather just be right for you and not mess with my life. It's so much easier for me to tell you what to do than it is for me to tell me what to do. I'm not getting a lot of amens. All right, this side, give me some amens. On. Amen? Which is it easier? We are so good at seeing other people's problems. But I, for whatever reason, I just can't see mine. I'm, a pretty, I'm in a good place with God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Luke chapter 12, Verse 14. Actually, verse 15. Now, this is Jesus speaking, right? It's in red. Yes? Verse 15. And he said to them, Guard yourselves and keep free from all covetousness, the moderate desire for wealth. The greedy longing to have more. For a man's life does not consist in and is not derived from possessing overflowing abundance or that which is over and above his needs. So let me ask you the big question, okay? How much is enough? How rich should we be? 
Is there a standard? Maybe rich for Mike is, is more rich than maybe I want. Maybe you, we were raised in poverty or something, and, and maybe just having indoor plumbing would be considered prosperous to you. I don't know. But what does the Bible say about how much should we as a believer have materially? Would you like to know? We should have enough to take care of the needs of our family and those that are around us. We should all be believing God to have enough finances to be a blessing to our immediate family and be able to take care of other families that are around us. So if you're, I don't want to believe God for a big fancy house or a big car or any of those things, that's fine. At a bare minimum, believe God where you can be a blessing to someone else if they need it. That is the, is the bare minimum of biblical prosperity. When an offering is given and there's an opportunity to sow to help a missionary or do something like that, every one of us should have enough prosperity to be able to give. If you don't have enough to give, you're not prospering enough biblically because we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen? I am blessed not to squander all the blessing on my own personal wealth, but God doesn't care. Look, I might pull up in a Mercedes. It could happen. Okay? It could happen. Are you going to be okay with that? Am I stealing offerings? Huh? Or am I blessed? I'm blessed. Now look, when we're talking about the laws of seed time and harvest, you cannot help but sow. If you sow and you sow and you sow, you're going to reap. And when you reap your harvest, you don't apologize to anybody. If you're believing God for a brand new car, a nice house, a Rolex watch, a diamond ring, whatever that is in your life, if you are sowing towards that thing and you're doing it with God, why did you cover your wife's ears when I said that? <laughs> you believe in God for a ring? Amen. It is okay to have a nice diamond ring. Ladies, is it okay? Why do you get to have a nice one? Because it's pretty. <laughs> if God, the first thing he said about making a tree was that it was pleasing to the eye, if God wants to bless you by what well, you may or may not look at a tree and it gives you joy, does he care if it's a diamond? Does that bring you a little bit of joy? Then it's okay to have that. But we want to make sure of is that that diamond ring doesn't have you. And here's the test. Take that diamond ring now and you give it to that person over there. That's the defining line of whether things have you or whether we have things. If you can't sow that thing or if God says give it, then it's got you. And you need to ask God about that. Amen? Now listen to me. You can't take this to the extreme and think, well, I just can never have anything. God's always telling me to give it away, give it away. No, 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 no. You're missing it. This is about being spirit-led about what we do. Amen? This is about spirit-led giving. This is, once again, about you and God doing this together. Once again, this involves you and God having relationship enough 
where you trust him and he trusts you. Where he says, you like that ring? Yeah, it's a nice ring. Okay, go give it to so-and-so. Oh my gosh. We should get so excited when he tells us to give something. Because we know that when he asks us to give something, he's trying to get something to me. He's trying to bless me. And he's saying, if you'll just sow that seed, then I've got something bigger and better for you. Amen? Biblical prosperity is knowing God. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Remember Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, and we just said it. The whole blessing of Abraham was not Abraham... I'm going to load you up so that you can have everything you've always wanted, so you can, you can just live off all the, the, the plenteousness of all that I've blessed you with. No, no, no. He said, Abraham, you are blessed to be a blessing. And you have to remember that true prosperity, that I am blessed to be a blessing. Amen? I am blessed to be a blessing. Now let me show you something real quick. Genesis chapter 1. Oh, we're going deep. Genesis chapter 1, and I just want you to stay with me because I'm not going to read all of Genesis 1, but I just want to show you a pattern, okay? This is going to help somebody today. I really feel like a lot of times prosperity is, has to do with our thinking. Amen? It has to do with the way that we were raised with money or how we look at things or, or those types of things. And sometimes all we need, we don't need a, an overhaul. We just need to make a slight adjustment in the way that we think. Okay? So I'm going to attempt to do that this morning, but I know in my heart this is going to help somebody. So I just want you to see a pattern about when God created the earth. In Genesis 1-3, now you want to write down these verses, but you're going to have to look at me while I do this. Genesis 1-3, it says, then God said. Has everybody got that? In Genesis 1-4, it says, and God saw. 1-3, God said. Verse 4, God saw. Versus uh, Genesis 1-6, God said. In Genesis 1-9, God said. In Genesis 1-10, God saw. In Genesis 1-11, God said, in Genesis 1.12, God saw. Genesis 1.14, God said. Genesis 1.17, God saw. Genesis 1.20, God said. Genesis 1.21, God saw. Genesis 1.24, God said. Genesis 1.25, God saw. So can we safely say that all through the creation story, God said and then God saw? Amen. Did I firmly establish that fact? Amen. That's irrefutable. God said and God saw. So did anything change between verse 25 and verse 28 of the first book of Genesis? Three verses. Genesis 1.28, then God blessed them and God said, God said, God said, God said, be fruitful and multiply, have dominion and replenish the earth. 
Adam and Eve did not wait for the curse to begin to multiply in the blessing. God said, and they immediately started producing, and they immediately began to multiply. They did not wait till the curse with Cain and Abel to start having children. If God said and God saw, then God said, be fruitful and multiply, then they started multiplying automatically. They started producing, but it wasn't like it is now because when the curse came in, that's when pain through childbirth started happening. It wasn't supposed to be that way. I think it was supposed to be just like when we get saved right now, where you receive the seed of salvation into your heart, you believe and you become. I believe it was that easy for them to produce. I think it was that easy for that blessing to work through them. Amen? The blessing didn't wait to work till the curse showed up. If God said and God saw 20 times, it would have started right there too, correct? Did anything? Okay, do we need to go do it again? I'm getting a lot of blank stares right now. God said and God saw. God said and God saw. So when he said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, do you not believe that they started multiplying and increasing and being fruitful right then? They weren't waiting for something to happen. They weren't waiting. It just started to happen. You got to get this pointer. I can't go to the next one. You've got to get this. Do you understand what I'm saying? God said, be fruitful and multiply. And because they heard immediately what what he said, they immediately started doing it. They didn't wait. They didn't wait for the curse to happen. They didn't wait for something to happen. They didn't wait. They immediately, because God said, and whatever God says, he sees. Okay. Galatians chapter 5, verse, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to read it out of the Bible. Just to, I'm just going to go to the Bible. I'm telling you, someone's going to get up and run around the room when you get this. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 beginning in verse 13. It says, Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse, the doom of the law and its condemnation, by Himself becoming a curse for us. For it is written in the Scripture, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree and is crucified. Verse 14. To the end that through their receiving Christ Jesus, the blessing, the promise to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles so that we through faith might all receive the realization of the promise of the Holy Spirit. If God said and He saw and Adam and Eve automatically started walking in that blessing, when you got born again, you got blessed. God said, what are you waiting for to enjoy it? What are you waiting to happen? You're blessed now. God said, 
that you were blessed. God said that His blessing was in you and upon you. God said. And if God says and then God saw and Adam and Eve immediately started acting in it, then when you got born again and Christ Jesus came into your heart, God said, you're blessed. The blessing in you is what prospers you on the inside. But we don't believe that we're blessed. We've been talked out of the blessing. We've been told that it passed away, that I have to earn it, that I don't deserve it that I'm not good enough, that I have to be in the right place at the right time, and maybe I get a little drip, a little dip of something. And God says, you're blessed. I have blessed you. I have prospered you on the inside first. And if I prosper you on the inside first, then I can prosper everything else around you. But until you know that you're prosperous on the inside, you're never going to prosper on the outside. You have to prosper on the inside first. That's true prosperity. Prosperity is first and foremost prospering on the inside. The blessing operating in my life. The revelation that God loves me. Me not trying to build up and put riches and then things that are, gonna, that are gonna rust and go away. But I'm talking about building some eternal, look, listen to me. I've met some of the poorest people in the world and they were some of the happiest people I've ever met because they were prospering on the inside first. And even in their poverty, they gave. I'm not waiting to be happy when I prosper. I gotta be happy now. I'm not waiting for something to happen and then I'm gonna be happy about it and then I'm gonna sleep good and then everything's gonna be okay in my life. No, 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 no. I've got to be happy now. I've got to prosper on the inside now. I've got to know that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I gotta know that there's a power and a force working inside of me right now that's far greater than depression, that's far greater than anxiety, that's far greater than lack, that's far greater than any generational curse. I've got to know that the miracle working God creator is in my life and because of my relationship with God, I am prosperous. I've prospered now. Amen. I have prospered now. Hallelujah. I have prosperous now. I'm not waiting to be prosperous. I am prosperous because I know him. Amen. 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 I am prosperous because I know him. Hallelujah. Paul said, Paul, we all like Paul. Paul is pretty trustworthy source. Amen. Paul said, for it's my determined purpose that I might know him, that I might progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. 
perceiving, recognizing, and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Even Paul knew, after everything that he'd written, that the one thing that was the most important of anything else that was ever going to take place was to know him. Amen? It is our determined purpose to know him. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I preach myself happy. I don't know. We're, we're, I'm, a couple of you, we're gonna, we're gonna have to, you're going to have to go back and listen to this a couple of times because thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I got through one page of my notes. That's all right. We're going to do our Tuesday night service tomorrow morning, so you'll get the other half Tuesday night. Does it sound good? Let me tell you, there's nothing more important than knowing God. There's nothing in your life. There's no situation. You know, what, what did Shambach used to say? Say, so you don't have a problem. You just need faith in God. Amen. You don't have a problem. You just need faith in God. Amen. God longed to walk with Adam and Eve every day and talk with them and commune with them. And had Adam and Eve not transgressed and not broken the command, we would all still be walking in the garden in the cool of the day because that was God's original intent for man. He wants a personal, one-on-one -on -one relationship with each and every one of us. He doesn't want you to have a relationship through me with Him. He doesn't want you to have, a, there's, there's not a man in between you and your relationship to God. God is longing to spend quality, personal time with you. Now, primarily that's going to happen through His Word. Okay? I'm not talking about turning all the lights down and lighting some candles and having some sort of a weird ceremony in your house. Amen? Amen? I mean, if you want to have dinner with God, make a plate for Him and set a table like He's right there, go for it. Enjoy! Have dinner with God. He would love that. Amen? But what it means is, listen to me, and this is the scary part. It means we allow Him into the places of our heart that we don't talk about, where all of our doubts and our wonderment and our confusion, and we ask those questions, why did this happen to me? Why didn't this happen to me? Where all those deep-seated hurts and things are and we invite him into those places of our heart because that's where true healing is going to take place amen it's hard to keep water in a bucket that's got a hole in it amen and god desires to get into our hearts to get into those places of our of our soul where those holes are you know um jack has been doing some power washing here at the church and He's been doing the brick and stuff, and we got a new power washer, and that thing will put out some PSI. I mean, that thing will scrape the paint off a car. But you know, when the Bible talks about the washing of the water of the Word, we get this picture of this, just this dribbles of water. Let me just take this river of water and just pour it over your mind, and it'll just take everything away. No, 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 no. You need a power washer. You need something with 2,800 PSI because we got stuff in our soul and spirits that are so 
impacted because of generational things and the way that we think, it's going to take a gusher to get in there and break that stuff out and get it off of us so that we're finally free. God wants you to be free. God wants you to leave this place today knowing that you are in Him. That you're a firstborn child of the King. That you are not a second-hand citizen. There's no steps, there's no kids' table in heaven. There's one table. Amen? There's not a table for, well, I always love it when people say, I just want to get a little cabin on the backside of glory. There are no little cabins on the backside of glory in heaven. Amen? There's mansions. And God has created one for you. Amen? Some are going to have beaches. Some are going to have mountains. Some are going to have pools. Some you're just going to be away from your kids, and you're going to be totally okay with that. Amen. Just know this. The single most thing, important thing you can take from here today is that God longs for a relationship with His children. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, you don't have to have a man to have that relationship. Go after God through His Word. Seek Him in His Word. Listen to what He says. Write it down. Quote the Word. Speak it over yourselves. Don't just mentally assent to it. You've got to, have, if you want, you've got to do the steps of faith for it to work. Amen? We've got to confess what we want. I could go all day, so we're going to stop right here. Okay?